Welcome back to the Two Black Runners podcast presented by The Runner Report. And here we kind of got a special little episode for you. We got four black runners on the podcast today. Later on the show, we're going to have Daryl Stretch Murphy talking about his miles for justice where he ran a 5K every single day to raise $5,000. But first off, we're going to get our big bro on the on the line, bro, Caleb Potts in the building. But first, first, Caleb, before you say anything, I got to introduce the brother from the same mother, Aaron Potts, bro. Aaron, how you doing? How you doing, bro? It's a family affair. <laughs> hey. It's a family affair. Dude, this is a special episode, bro. We never had the big bro on the on the pod. Now you got three black. You all got three. You know, y'all got four black runners with y'all today. So I know for some of y'all listening, this is a unique experience. Y'all never been around some folk like this. So I'm excited for this one. Let's jump into it, Joshua. Get us started. First off, we got to introduce Caleb. He's an NAU alumni. He ran 800 there in mid-distance, ran a little bit of cross-country, but you know NAU good. I ain't going to talk no slack on you, but NAU good. Cross-country kept me in shape. Cross-country kept him in shape. He, he was now a grad assistant last year at Laverne, at Laverne College. He was a high school coach at Rancho Cucamonga, still doing some coaching on the side, but most of all, he's, he's our oldest brother, Caleb Potts, bro. Caleb, how are you doing real quick? doing really good happy to be here and i think the really most interesting thing about you you are our oldest brother but you're also like a coach and being a coach like at this time in all facets of the ways that you coach right now it's a real just interesting situation from a pandemic going on from the social injustice as being a black coach but first of just being like the pandemic how's the pandemic really been treating you so far right um i'm healthy I had a little bit of a sore throat a couple of days ago. What? Surprise, surprise. <laughs> Bro, you need to say that beforehand. <laughs> I'm all good. I'm all good. I, mean, my I ain't over there, tested. so I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> my roommates got tested. We're all good. Okay, okay. Um, but the pandemic's been treating me. Same has been treating everybody else. I'm, I'm working still, wearing the mask at work, doing everything I can not to get sick, you know? about just on the concentration concentrating on just like coaching right now you don't have to go into specifics on like on like what you're doing but what do you think is the best for like every single athlete like out there especially like those athletes trying to get into college right now athletes trying to get to the next level what do they need to be doing right now and it's like because we all feel like we're sort of in a limbo especially in the running world i feel like i feel like there, there's two things I would suggest that all athletes should be doing if you're trying to get that scholarship, you should be running. Don't stop running, right? Whether you're running by yourself, running with one or two other people, doing workouts, please don't stop running. Mm -hmm. And if you're trying to get the scholarly, you gotta gotta advertise yourself. Now more than ever, since there's not gonna be as many races, I mean, these coaches may not know who you are. So please email them. You know, constantly, as much as you can, as much as different coaches as you can, your times, let them know you're still running, you're still committed, you're still doing your thing, and and it'll come. That's what I believe. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, too, transitioning a little bit, um, with coronavirus and all of that going on, there's also been the social climate of the world with all these killings and the protests. Uh, what What were your initial reactions to that, and how have you been handling that? Um, I think I've been handling it the best I can. I was 
really, really sad and depressed when I first heard about this. I couldn't even bring myself to watch the video for like after a week. It's just, it's very heartbreaking thinking just another yeah. guy, another one. They got another one. Too many, bro. Too many to count. But um, as far as that goes, I've been trying to do my part, like keeping the conversation going, talking to people, um, you know, just keeping the Black Lives Matter movement out there. I would say like, maybe not, it's not funny at all, but it gets me laughing a couple of times. I play video games a lot. Super Smash Bros. my game. Shout out. But um, my tag, Potsy, <laughs> hashtag Black Lives Matter. If you want that smoke. If you want that smoke, hit me up. Potsy, P-O-T-C-S, hashtag B-L-M. But anyways, when I'm playing online, it's I'll win or lose. No one ever wants to play me anymore. Ever since I changed my own, my name. Hashtag wow. Black Lives Matter. And it's just, it's kind of disgusting. I'm, I'm not sure if they don't want to play because I beat them or it's because <laughs> of my tag. Who, who knows? But, you know, just out here doing my thing, representing myself and the Black community the best I can. And a big reason we wanted to bring you on today was to talk about your coaching. And Joshua already talked about how you coach at, you coach at Laverne. And if you guys don't know, our dad grew up coaching us as kids. And another thing you do is you you coached kids you've coached kids, and still do. yeah, and you still you still do currently. And I wanted you to kind of like touch on that, like how is that? Because in the distance world, growing up, like we had our dad as a coach, but as we got farther and farther in the game, we started to realize there's not many people that look like that look like us that coach our events. So for you to be in that leadership position. Uh, with such young kids like how how is that with this gener with this generation um i think the youth is where it starts like if we want to get rid of this racism thing you gotta start with the youth i'm i'm a coach it mostly starts at home but i play my part as representing like the best black person i could be because I, I understand where i live some of these younger kids they may not be around black influences Mm-hmm. So I may be the only one for them, especially in this track, in the track world, cross country world. So I just try to, you know, dot my I's, cross my T's, do everything I possibly can to make myself not, not look in a bad light, if that, if that makes sense. I, I have to carry myself very well when I'm around them, around the parents, especially yeah. around the kids when we're at different races and stuff. So and do I, you, would, you, would you say like you feel like, you have to you carry you carry more than what a normal would normal coach normal coach would because you feel like you have to like do something for your people. I do, and, and I'm black, you know, dark skin, got dreads. <laughs> I'm young. I'm hanging around these impressionable impressionable kids and their parents who may even have impressions on me before we even start. So I do feel like I kind of have to carry myself a little bit better. I have to be more well spoken you know, stand up tall, like talk like I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I feel like that's just like in every situation too, especially if you're a black person, any type of minority, if it's from the classroom to your cross country team, even if you somewhere that you work, because you never know of that's a type of prejudice that some person may have. And that impression of your, your one impression as a black person could really change their whole entire view of just black people and just the power. And that's just even just the power of like representation of just seeing or the power of just influence 
over that you can have somebody to think of an entire people. So, some people have one bad experience with one type of race or one type of food or one type of book, and then they're totally off that book. But when it comes to a race and you do that, it's really just an issue. But then that's why I think it's really important for Black people in these type of roles, which is it's sort of unfortunate that we have to live that way. But it is it is important to like really lead by example when you're in a, that minority position and in a leadership role. One hundred percent. And just to touch on too, like with like as I was saying, like our dad grew up coaching us a black man. We had Coach Carlton and Rancho, black man. We get to high school though, we have uh, like Hispanic coaches, white coaches, and you made that big transition to a big a big track and field and cross country program with NAU and NAU they do they have a lot of of Africans um and they have white boys and they but they got a lot of white boys too so what was that transition like going onto that team what was that that like culture shift because I know it had to be different from what you experienced in high school and club track maybe this is be, me being naive but as far as being on the team interacting with my teammates and coaches I didn't feel any like pressure to to be like the black guy i guess mm-hmm. per se uh-huh. i didn't feel like i was the token yeah if that if i could use that term mm-hmm. um it's very welcoming environment now i don't want to shoot on flagstaff but i had, had some instances where i do feel like i was being like a little bit of felt a little bit of racism or prejudice but as far as the team it was awesome the, the biggest culture shock Going from high school, Roosevelt, doing 30 miles a week at most, you know, your 10-mile long run, flat, no altitude, to going to NAU where it's like we're thinking about championship, we're thinking about winning. Yeah. Everyone on the team is what's the best on their former high school team. So just getting used to that culture. Best in the state. Yeah, best in the state, not just their high school team. So just getting used to that culture, that really, really winning mentality at everything you do, practice practicing to win you're racing you're racing to win sleeping you sleep in eight hours so you can win you eat in the right food it, that was the biggest culture change going up there that and it was freaking 18 degrees one time <laughs> so the cold and just the competitiveness for sure yeah, especially then this just speaking more on like that winning mentality and the what we love to see in sports, we're starting to see more of that in track and field. And that's another reason we wanted to bring Caleb in. Just have another person that really talk track about. Because if Caleb, if me, Aaron, and Caleb were all at home, you know we would have at least have like a two-hour conversation on what the track news is going on right now. And this past week, we've seen a lot of just big things that's been going on in the track world and first off i think what we have to kick it off is with donovan brazier at the big friendly so the big friendly it was otc versus pete julian's group they don't have a group name yet they're formerly called oregon project and um donovan brazier went out there ran his off event the 1500 we know he's the former world champion 800 this man ran a 335 cruising yes sir 335 cruising and my question time is how far do you think Brazier could go in the 1500 right now or just in the future? Like, like going time-wise or like placing championships? Anything, anything. How far, How? what do you think the sky is for this kid in the 15? We're not, we're not even, we're going to get to the eight in a second, but what do you think the sky is? What, what is the ceiling for this guy in the 15? Olympic medal. 
Olympic gold medal, in my opinion. I think that if Don, if you put Donovan Brazier in an actual race, actual season right now, he's in 332, 331 shape, bro. And that mm. would win the Olympic trials, and he would make the team, and with his kick. Now, a couple years ago, we saw Central run 350 and win the Olympics. He closed in a 50 point, and it was an amazing tactical race. But you're telling me this guy makes it to a final, and it's a jog fest. Like, he no gonna drop like him. a 48. No one's stopping him, bro. I, no one's I stopping him. That. I agree with that. Joshua asked, what's the, what's, the, what's the sky? Where's the limit at? I think he has to decide if he wants to do the 15 or the 8. Because I think he could win gold in either race. But he can't win gold in both races. Yeah. Like, he's done... I mean, we were talking before the show, like... Can he make it through the rounds? He's done the collegiate thing. He's done the world championship thing. But he hasn't doubled. Not that I know of, at least. I yeah, feel like yeah. there's a pretty difficult, pretty difficult double. Only one person I can remember who done it well lately is McLuffy. But he said he said out. Oh, he said <laughs> he said what? Well, was that 2016? 2016? He uh, or is that 2012 when he like uh, when he dropped the 15 or like something like that? Then he Ahmed Suleiman. Mm. Ahmed Suleiman did the 15 and the 8 at a world championship or something or Olympic one year. But I think that this upcoming year and maybe the next world championship, we're going to see him focus on the 8. But I'm telling you, if he's running these 15s right now, this is the second one. The plan, the plan that Pete Julian has, I, I haven't heard, I haven't heard, but y'all heard it here first. The plan that Pete Julian has for this man is for him to eventually do both at a world championship. Cause like you ever it. seen? Did you ever see David Rudisha running in 15s? No, bro. Like well, they're in the eighth though. He's kind of saying record. for now. For now. That's, wait, that's a great now. segue. That's a great segue. Cause Dwayne Solomon on the Let's Run podcast. He's also on the Sidious Mag podcast. Wait, why was Chris he on Schaubert. here though? And that hey, dope. where you at, Dwayne? Where you at? But uh, Dwayne Solomon said Frazier is gonna break the 800 meter world record. He basically says it's a matter of time until Brazier breaks the 800 meter world record. What do you got to say about that, bro? A year and a half. <laughs> what? That's all I got to say about that. A year and a half? Yes. It's hard to say. For me, it's hard to say, like, if he really is. I don't know. I'm not going to say he can't do it. But it's just, you know, like, that was like almost like a perfect race this man ran. But I yeah. definitely think he has that type of fitness. He definitely has the strength. And he has that type of speed too. So Does he have that type of dog. I think he do. That's the day. That's facts though. Cause Rudisha don't Rudisha is a straight dog, bruh. He was he wasn't even thinking about anybody in that race, you know, bro. Rudisha's like no one's beating me the entire race. <laughs> I think he do because For honestly, Brazier can run from anywhere on the track. He can run from the back. He can run from the front. He can run the middle. He can run on second place, from third place. He can run from anywhere. So I think it's just a decision that he has to make within himself and the training if he's going to go out there and like break the world record. Because honestly, yeah, I feel like it's, it's, honest, it's hard to say though because I feel like 140 is so hard to do. Like, I feel like it's the hardest world record right next to Kipchoge. But, like, that's why it's so hard to say. But it's definitely doable, bro. Right now, he's on track, bro. If he 
right now, like based off his times and stuff, bro, if he can really execute how he wants to execute, he can be fighting to be go down as one of the best mid distance runners ever. Because if he runs 141 low, wins an Olympic gold, and then goes back into 15 and wins Olympic gold eventually, which I'm telling you guys, he's gonna do the 15 eventually in his career. The 800 is a young man. The 800 is a young man's race. Yeah. So we're gonna see, he's gonna try that double. Like you heard it here first, I promise you, he's gonna try that double. At the Olympics? At the Olympics or the world championships eventually, bro. Like why not? Why are you doing this? Why are you running 1500 meter time trials? Cause bro, they up to something. But maybe at the Olympics, it may not be the place, but he may be trying to run 140, 140 That's gonna be harder to do if he's doubling, no? No, that's what I'm saying. That's why I think he's gonna do it this next coming up year at the Olympics. He's going these next two like world big major championship events, Olympics and World Worlds. He's gonna do the eight, just the eight. But then eventually he's yeah. gonna just be like 15. That's double. Moving on to another young talent in the American distance races, but back to high school. This man, John Lester, just ran a 406 at the Independence Day Showdown, PRing by two seconds in the mile, and he's only a junior. And going back last month, this guy ran 148 in the 800. So my big question to y'all is, what's gonna come first next year? Him breaking four in the mile or running 146 in the 800? What's coming oh. first next year? Bro, if there's an indoor season, that's that's being broken, bro. What, the fourth flat or the... The fourth flat. Yeah. He's fourth getting, flat is definitely... He's getting, he's getting that. Maybe his first race. His first race could be like, who knows, March. <laughs> he, he's bringing yeah. the fourth flat. Man. And we saw Cruz Culpepper run like fourth flat indoors this year, so... That's what like, I'm saying. You just go to... Where do you run that at? At UW? Yeah. That's the place to be. Right. But, and so now, how, how do you, in relation into like Michael Granville's national record, 146.45, do you see that as a possibility? Because this man, he, he almost, he's, he's ran a 48. I'm pretty sure he's ran a 48 open, but yeah. Granville was running like 45. Let's be honest. Yeah. But this man has the ability, unlike Josh Hoey that we saw a couple years back, he ran 146 as well. But Josh Hoey, I don't think he had the same mile strength that this kid also has. So with that combination, could he dip under 146.4 next year? Yeah, that's tough, man. Hey, yeah, like, Nate, I'm not. I'm not trying to throw no shade at John Lester, but I don't think he's gonna get that. I don't know. I don't think we'll see a 140, 146. I don't think we'll see the record go down just because I know he has that strength. Even if it's indoor, he runs for a flat. But like, it takes, you know, it takes some speed, and you gotta. You got to look at, go look at Michael Granville when he was that age, bro. This man was built, you know, like, like you got to have that grown man sprint around anaerobic, like strength, like what what got, what's, it's more likely that what got him to where he's at in the eight right now, that 148 is like, yes, he has speed, but his one, his, his like mile strength is what is ultimately like, what's kind of like carrying his speed a little bit longer. And, and, like, people like Donovan Brazier and Michael Granville, I mean, Donovan Brazier has strength, too, but, like, you know, their speed was more so carrying in their, them over their strength. So that's tough to say. Maybe he got hit the weight room. All right, I got one more, I got one more thing for y'all, then we're going to bounce out. But I really just want to know 
What do y'all think about Trayvon Bromel and the showdown in O-Town? This dude goes out. He runs the fastest time. Noah Lyles and Justin Gatlin, they both break 10, but they had like a like a four-plus uh, tailwind with them, so it's kind of illegal. But Trayvon Bromel been injured on and off for the past four years, runs 10.01, and he has the world lead right now in the 100. Like, has how much of a benefit is this delay of the Olympics going to have for runners like Bromel and even runners like Allison Felix and then LaShawn Maris even making a comeback and then Hannah Cunliffe, she Wait, also ran. LaShawn Maris making a comeback? Yeah, he, he was at the showdown O-Town too. He ran 45. He ran okay. 45. Okay. So right, like, how right. much how much do you think a benefit this is going to have for those, for those guys who's been injured, those people making a comeback? to really compete in the 2021 Tokyo Olympic Games. I'm back and I'm better. So Bromel's about to go off. For real he though. He got his mind straight and he got time. Yeah. Most yep. importantly, he has time. Hey. So he, he's going to do everything possible. He can get back. Hey, and don't forget about this. Your boy Coleman might not be at the Olympic trials. Woo. So that's another Dude. spot. Jeez. That's another spot right there. And Bromel, he ready. And he stay, he stay on his app, making sure he get his test in. I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, no shade, he, though. He used DoorDash. That's what you're saying. He used DoorDash. He used DoorDash, bro. So he ain't missing none of them, bro. He used DoorDash and online shopping. That's the key. That's the key, bro. Hey, they did Coleman. Hey, I'm a. They did Coleman wrong though. But for real yeah. though, it is gonna do a, be a play a big advantage for these people. Like I'm super excited for Trayvon Bromel. Also really excited to see like Allison Felix. Those are the, Allison Felix is the one I'm really looking at. Like she's gonna secure, I mean, she already has secured her GOAT status basically, but like if she could come back and really like make this 400 team or like, let's say she does something crazy and like wins Olympic trials. No. Bro, you know, she's been in the Olympics since 2000. Yes, bro. Yeah, that's insane. 20 years. It's crazy, crazy. So that's what I'm most excited to see. I'm a kind of derail this podcast for a moment. Yeah, go ahead, Daryl Reedus. How we were talking about like black leaders in the sport and stuff. Miss Felix is definitely that girl. She's the Serena. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. She's been there forever. Another thing, um, shout out Dwayne Solomon. He was one of my guys. I looked up to 800 meter runner when I was in high school and stuff. My dad used to show me his races. He was running at SC, things like that. But um, yeah, that's all I got to say on him. Wait, hold up. We got last question. Last question, Caleb, and then we're gonna go over to stretch. But like, who is that? Who we need on the next podcast? Dwayne Solomon. Is that who we need? Yes, sir. That would be awesome. Hey, we sitting this. We're tagging Dwayne right now, bro. Dwayne Solomon. We need you on the next podcast. That's how we, Dwayne. That's how we need. Dwayne. Dwayne. We got questions. <laughs> we need people want to hear from you. We need you on bro. the next pod, bro. That would Ghost be that status. would be awesome. That would be awesome. But uh, with that being said, bro, Caleb, thanks for coming on. Wait, wait, wait. One more thing. One more thing. I'm not on here very often, so I got to say my piece. All right, go ahead. Lakers win that championship, baby. Get off, bro. Get off, bro. (laughs) Lakers winning. We don't hear that. Gang, gang. I'm sorry. sorry. I doubted you, man. I doubted you. He ain't even playing. He ain't even playing. He announced the game. He's going to play. I I used to bag on Dwight so much. (laughs) Especially when he first came on the Lakers. And I was, I'm the biggest Kobe fan that I know. I feel like I am, but Kobe hated Dwight. So I was like, I hate Dwight too. <laughs> then he came on the team and like, man, this guy's putting in work. I respect him some. He took that contract. 
I wouldn't have taken that contract. I would have just went to a different team and got my guaranteed money. But, you know, he wanted to win that championship. And him coming back to play, that shows he's really he's really committed. Just make sure they don't run into the Rockets, bro. They don't want to see Westbrook and James Harden. James Harden lost 40 pounds. Nah, dude. Get out of them. Harden doesn't, doesn't want to see Rondo on the court. That's for sure. Harden about to catch that Rona going to all those strip clubs, though. <laughs> He's undefeated there. That's for sure. Kawhi is too. Yeah. That's... What it do, baby? That's good. Hey, Aaron, Joshua, thanks for having me on. We got to do this again. For sure, man. We'll definitely have to. We'll definitely. I know y'all all loved hearing from the big bro, Caleb, the legend. So we'll definitely have to bring him on. We always love having a family affair. Join us now on the Two Black Runners. We got Daryl Stretch Murphy. This man has been doing some amazing things in the running community, but not just in the running community, also just some very vocal leader and social activism. And this past month of June, he really did something really impactful that we had to bring him on the pod and just talk to it a little bit deeper. Aaron got more into it. Aaron, just talk about what he's been doing this past month of June. Yeah, we had to we had to bring my boy on. He DM me on Instagram, just letting me know this Miles for Justice campaign he had going on, where he was running a 5K a, a day, all for the month of June. Um, the goal was to raise $5,000 and to have that donated to Action Pack. Now, Action Pack is ran by Lee Merritt, that's the attorney representing Ahmed Aubrey. And if you guys don't know, Sean King, um, a big activist, he's also a part of that. But yeah, it was just awesome to see, you know, another black man just yes. at the forefront of this campaign, pushing this through running in a very creative way. So if you guys haven't already, like, go check him out, Stretch Murphy. But he got bars, too. So we had to just bring <laughs> him on the show and, you know, let him talk a little bit because we want to get that, keep that conversation going, but also give you guys some outlets where you guys can actually go and, and donate and we really can affect some change. So without further ado daryl how you doing bro hey doing good man shout out to aaron and joshua for bringing me on the podcast mad respect for having me uh love what you guys are doing over here so just happy to be a part of it yeah and one yeah. thing too is like when people see these fundraisers and the campaigns you know they expect for us to bring on like some big professional athlete or entertainer but the thing i really liked about you and why i wanted to bring you onto the show is because anybody can do what you're doing right now and yeah. that's what's really yeah. awesome and we really uh we really with you for that bro respect respect yeah it's like anybody can do what i did it just takes a little hard work and commitment and dedication you know what i mean anybody can do it with those ingredients but as joshua would say before we get into the meat and potatoes we want to learn a little bit about you how is how is life going sure. going right now for you like with the effects of covid what are your initial thoughts on on the protests and just the social climate of the nation right now yeah it was definitely just a very interesting time in the world and in the country right now with covid everything being shut down and then once the George Floyd murder happened, just like uh the video footage of it came out and we all saw that it was kind of like a perfect storm brewing, you know, where everybody was cooped up in the house for so long and now we were ready to go out and take action. Um, but 
for me, COVID kind of did affect me because I did kind of lose my job during COVID. Um, I got furloughed from my job, but that kind of opened the door for me and paved the way to get back into running. So definitely some positive things have come out of uh, the COVID and the pandemic for me. And then um, I just tried to take all that energy and put it to something good. And that's how I came up with the Miles for Justice campaign. Oh. And then just going a little back on that, I know we're talking about this a little bit off the pod, but then where did just where did running really come from? Because I feel like for a lot of people, that's the last thing that people want to do, is like it's for exercise to go out there and run. But uh, why was that yeah. one of the first things that you're able to get into once you got in the quarantine? You running in the heat, well, too, I, in LA. <laughs> right? Right, definitely in the heat. So. Um, I actually started getting back into running earlier this year in 2020. Um, I used to run track in high school and college, uh, but I've been out of school for about five years. And when I got done with school, I told myself I was never running again. Like I was just done with it. <laughs> um, but yeah. I had a coworker earlier this year who knew I was a former runner and he had never ran before. And he started getting into running, but he just started asking me for some tips about it. Um, so I shared some with him and I told him like, why don't you try to do a 5K? And I was like, you know, if you want to sign up for a 5K race, I'll do it with you so you don't have to do it alone. So that kind of gave me something to start training for. Like I would say around January, February, I just started running a couple of days a week uh, to run a 5K. And that's mm. what really got me back into running. Um, so I ran that 5K with him at the in the middle of February. And then an organization that I'm a part of here in LA, uh, we kind of have a partnership with Nike and they gave us free entry into the LA 13.1 uh, Nike half marathon. Yeah. So I was like, cool, free entry. Like I've never done a half marathon, but sign me up. Cause I was like kind of getting back into running. And then I did not start uh, training for that half marathon. It was supposed to be on April the 5th. And it was like the beginning of March. And I'm like, dang, I haven't even training for this half marathon at all and then like a week later the pandemic hit and i was like okay perfect you know i haven't been training for the marathon now i don't have to train you know what i mean but then like i was sitting at the house for a couple of days just like stuck in the house every day and i was like you know what like i might as well just start running go out for some runs so uh, just being stuck in the house and not being being able to do anything else just really made me want to get outside. And the only way to get outside was to go for a run. So it was just like the only thing that was kind of available to me at the time. And then the more I started to do it, I just kind of started to fall back in love with it again. And like really started enjoying all the runs again. And, and low key, Aaron, he running kind of fast. I was looking on his story. <laughs> he dropping six fifty four. His own okay. name. He's going, he going under five sometimes. This way, he really yeah. competing out there. I ain't bored in the house, and I'm in the house bored. You know, that's <laughs> no not, facts. It really affects. It really affects you. And the running yeah. boom is crazy right now, and everyone's getting after it. And that kind of segues oh. into my first initial thoughts. Um, I was thinking about, like, as you're getting back into running, you're starting to fall in love with it, this Ahmed Aubrey thing pops off. Yeah, Talk about, yeah, like, yeah. your initial feeling and reaction to that, too. Yeah, it, it was just crazy uh, when I saw that. I saw the video uh, right there on Instagram, and then, you know, it just brought me back to my situation immediately because I go running every day. Um, I didn't hear about Ahmad until... It was toward like the end of April um, when I first heard about it. 
And I know he got murdered on February 23rd. So it was about two plus months, like where I feel most people hadn't heard about it. Uh, but when I did hear about it, it really hit me because obviously I'm a black man, but I run in like a predominantly white neighborhood every day, like where I'm the only black person out there running. So I'm like, I know there's a lot of eyes on me when I'm running and like, what are people thinking? You know what I mean? When I'm running and now, like, if I do want to go run with a mask on, like, how are people going to look at me? Yeah. You know, how is that going to yeah. affect the run? So I was just like. Ahmad was just out there trying to better himself and then like just got shot down and murdered. And it's like running is just like, you know, it's supposed to be a safe haven. You know, it's supposed to be like an escape, you know, a getaway, something that you go to relieve stress from. And then like he got murdered for doing that. It just made no sense to me. And but it, it did give me a lot of inspiration and a lot of motivation to really like keep going and not stop, you know, because if I didn't hear about that story, who knows if I would still be here at 85 days and counting. Wow. Yeah. And that's awesome. That's awesome. Go ahead, Joshua. Like, I honestly couldn't relate more to everything that you said. Like, remember when first seeing the Maude Aubrey, like, shooting and knowing that he was going out jogging. Like, I do the exact same thing. I pretty much run every single day. And it's really yeah. just a crazy, crazy time that we're living in. But why do you think, like, the – why do you think this has hit so hard, but not just like for the black community, but just communities all across the world? Because we're seeing not just your yeah. movement where I didn't get to say, it, but five, you you hit your goal of 5,000. Congratulations, yeah. bro. But like just everything else, why do you think this hits so hard? And why do you think people are pushing so hard to get to like to get out of the racism, trying to end everything right now? Yeah. Number one, I think is like, we just have the video evidence, like it's on video, like for so long, like as black people, we would tell these stories, but like people in other cultures cannot believe the stories because they weren't there or they didn't see it with their own eyes. But when you have it on video, it just like hits a lot deeper, you know? So I think like that being on video and then coupled with the pandemic, like everybody was at home right now, you know, like. There's so many things going on in the world on a daily basis that so much news gets lost and swept under the rug. Yeah. But with everybody being at home when this happened, I think it was just like at the forefront of everybody's timelines on the news and like people couldn't escape from it because you weren't going out to the mall. You weren't going out to any concerts or anything like that. You're just at your house on your phone pretty much all day. So it was just like, you know, it, it was good timing in that sense. So we can create some change and put it into it. But like, you know, my condolences to the whole Ahmad Arbery family, you know, that they had to lose a loved one for this to happen. But like, I just hope some good and positive things can come out of his death so he doesn't have to die in vain. Yeah, like most definitely. And also relaying back to what you said, Joshua, same for me. I'm 25. I run in a predominantly white neighborhood every day. So yeah. I know there's eyes on me. And I got three brothers who are who are athletic and runners and, and, and black. So definitely something that scares me, that scared me at that moment and shook me and really hit me. But I also wanted to ask you, you were just kind of getting back into the running community. How do you feel about the overall response of the running community uh, right now on the all of these killings just in general? Yeah, I think um, like obviously the running community as a whole is 
the majority of it is white, you know, as black runners, we're kind of the anomaly, especially as like yeah. distance runners or mid distance runners or whatever, like you're an anomaly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think a lot of people, a lot of white runners were kind of naive about uh, the racial injustices that were going on in the country. So they're becoming more aware of it now. And I've, I've seen mostly positive responses, I'll say. And I've seen like uh, there was a big outcry over like Runner's World magazine not having any like people of color on their covers. And I've seen like they've uh, made where they've decided where they will start having at least 30 percent of their covers be like people of color. So that's like a positive change because we need representation. Like when kids are coming up right now, like you'll see like. Kenyan runners or Ethiopian runners that are really excelling, but you don't see that many black American runners that are excelling on, on the world stage. So it's like, if we can start seeing that in magazines and stuff, that's just going to help the youth, you know, want to run. But, but I can say like, you know, I reached out to you, Aaron on IG. I reached out to like a ton of people in the running community on IG. And I, I got a lot of white runners that, that responded positive to, responded positively to me and actually donated to the campaign. So I was happy about that. And I got several that like shared it with their network and on their platform. So I was appreciative of that. Um, But I think it's just like a whole growing experience and learning experience. And, uh, you know, as black runners, you know, we we have to continue to have those conversations with, with our white runner friends, because sometimes I know for me personally, it can make me a little uncomfortable if I have to have that conversation with a bunch of white runners. But like, that's what kind of needs to happen for change to occur. So that's why I just tried to start off by having some of those conversations with the running community uh, on on social media. I love that because like, especially for running, bro, like we're running's all about getting uncomfortable and especially uncomfortable yeah. with yourself and definitely you can be in, the, in your last mile your 5k or your last mile or your 12 miler or going up that huge mountain like either way there's going to be a mental challenge as well that goes along with the physical so i think the challenge sure. of like runners be able to understand that a little bit more is definitely something that we needs to be a conversation that keeps on going and sorry for cutting you off Aaron. That didn't do that. no i was just gonna <laughs> say that's like a big reason why we had to have like Molly Huddle on ours, like one of the biggest American distance runners. We wanted to have a conversation yep. with her because our our name of our show is Two Black Runners. And it is possible that a lot of people do have like that one black runner or, or two on their team, but they don't ever have those conversations and they never know how their teammates are feeling in those situations. So to be able to like, sit down and listen to a podcast and hear people talking about that. That's like the start of a conversation that can be happening around the entire nation on a team. Cause I've never seen the, the running community respond to something, some to a racial injustice, like in this way, I've seen it with other yeah. sports in the NFL and the NBA wearing shirts, but I've never seen track athletes or cross country athletes react like this. So it's good to hear that you got, you got some good uh, feedback on that too. Yeah, yeah, I did. And I salute you guys again for doing the podcast because this can really be an icebreaker for a lot of like high school cross country teams, you know what I mean, around the nation where they do just have that one black person on the team. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So why don't you go ahead to like, can you just explain to us 
How did you think about Miles of Justice? How did that come to fruition? Yep. So I started these 5K runs on April the 14th. Um, my birthday was April the 12th. And then, you know, I took like those couple of days off. Then April the 14th, I just started running. And I had no idea at that time, like I was going to run every single day. It just kind of happened. But after I had ran for that second half of April and then all of May every day, um, I think June 1st was my 50th day in a row running. And after I finished that run, I was just like, man, like I want to keep running, but I want these runs to mean something more. Because as, as runners, you guys know, like some days it can be really hard to get out the door, like especially yeah. when you're running by yourself. Like I don't have any support group of runners, you know, yeah. Yeah. So I was like, in order to make these runs mean something, like I have to have a cause. I have to have a purpose behind these runs. So I had uh, knew about this platform pledge it before where like you can pledge a donation for any athletic event. Like you can do a touchdown in football or a, a three pointer in basketball. But I just decided to do a mile for running. So I tried to get people to just pledge like pledge a dollar for every mile I run like just pledge 10 cents for every mile I run, like do whatever you can, because I knew that would help me get out the door and run these miles. So then I was just like, you know, at that time, you know, the George Floyd killing had just happened. It was maybe like five days old at that time. And I knew it was going to be tough getting justice for George Floyd. I seen how they were doing Ahmaud Arbery in Georgia, like they were yeah. sitting on the, on the videotape for two months, you know, before the public really saw it. And they knew these guys killed Ahmad and they still didn't arrest him. So I'm like, we need justice for these people that were murdered unjustly. So I was just like, I want to dedicate all of my runs to them and try to raise some money to bring them justice. So I'm running a 5K a day. So I was just like, 5K, $5,000 is the perfect amount to try to raise I had never raised any money before, so I didn't know like how hard or how easy it would be. But I knew like 5K was like a lofty goal where I would really have to work to get there. But I knew it was attainable and something that I could get there if I put in the work. So like it was at the night uh, of June 1st, like that evening, I was just like, you know, I'm going to set up this whole campaign and I just set it up, you know, uh, 30 events of 5k every day from June 1st to June 30th. And then it was just up to me to put in the work and make sure I got those runs in every day. What was the most mileage you've done like in a week before, before that? Or what was your mileage like when you were running? Um, so, so back when I was in like, like in school, you know, I would do like on average, like 45 miles a week, I guess, you know, something like that. That was probably my sweet spot. I would say, but like I said, in the last five years, like before 2020, if we go like 2015 to 2019, I probably log like single digit miles, you know what I'm saying? In four <laughs> years combined. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Hey, so, so you like, fit now. He fit now. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm ready. I'm ready for a 5K just to like see what I can do, like with some competition, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> So another thing with this um, is that the money, the money that, that you've raised is going to go to Action Pack. Can you explain to, explain yep. to our listeners yep. what Action Pack is and uh, what is that, what they do? 
Yeah, absolutely. So the Action Pact is an organization led by Lee Merritt, who's a civil rights attorney, and Sean King, who is a civil rights activist. And the Action Pact, um, they just pull funds together to really just create change in the community. Uh, so what the Action Pact focuses on is getting new leaders elected, uh, people who are going to create change in local governments, city council members, state representatives, things like that. And they also are funding money to create policy change, so legislative change in local communities and on the federal level. Um, so all the money that I raise for this campaign is going to the Grassroots Law Project. Um, that's one of the initiatives led by the Action Pact. And, and right now they're just raising money. Um, they help get Brianna's law passed um, in, in Louisville, which is like the police are allowed to enter your house without announcing who they are. Um, so that's one mm -hmm. thing that already got passed. Um, we're working on, well, they're working on making it a hate crime um, if, if police officers kill unarmed black people um, to, to get that legislative uh, legislation passed. So. Um, they're just really working to get, bring justice for all of the black men and women uh, and minorities who were killed unjustly uh, by police. And I, I just thought it was a great organization to, to give the funds to um, in connection with the mod to, to bring justice to a mod, because that was my biggest inspiration um, in, in starting this campaign. And, and they are leading the, the run with mod hashtag campaign to bring justice for, for him. One thing I'm wondering is just uh, why was like the focus on like the grassroots laws and, and the laws and really the legislative change? Why is that a real big emphasis for you? And where do you see like that impact, how that impact is going to make a real change down there like 10 years from now? Yep. Just because as as minorities in this country, as black people in this country, like the laws have always worked against us. You know, mm -hmm. the laws have never worked in our favor. Like. In the constitution like it says like all men are created equal but we know that hasn't been how america has operated over you know 400 plus years so yeah. i think a lot of a lot of companies a lot of corporations a lot of governments like they use the laws in their favor to discriminate against black people so if we're able to like eliminate some of the loopholes in those laws and make it more concrete where you can't discriminate against black people for how their hair is or for their beliefs or anything like that. I think that's just gonna allow us to elevate and get more on an equal playing field with, with our counterparts. So I think everything just really starts there like in public policy with the laws and with the people that we have representing us in government. Yeah, can't agree more, can't agree more. 100%, but with that, I mean, we just about covered it all, but uh, Stretch Murphy, that's his name on Instagram. Make sure you guys go give him a follow. Follow, hit that link in the bio. You guys can go donate. You already reached, you already reached the goal of 5,000, but let's make it 10. Yeah, let's yeah. make it 10. Hey. Let's keep it. Hey, how much more can you keep? Can you can you run for like two more months? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, we, I, I'm just focused on 100 right now. So we got like 15 more days till I hit 100 in a row, like. That's the next go, and then once we get there, we'll we'll see where we going from there. But uh, I'm gonna definitely keep running, you know. Like once quarantine is over and stuff, maybe I can link up with you guys, you know. Hey, we'll get a run in sometime. 
for sure. Got to. We can, we can run a real 5K too. We can go see. Oh, we can for go sure. It's the test. <laughs> can you let us know the, uh, the the website too? Shout out the website. Yeah, so, yep, yep. So it's pledgeit.org backslash Black Lives Matter. Pledgeit.org backslash Black Lives Matter. All right. You said it twice for y'all. So y'all yeah, don't donate. Y'all don't <laughs> donate. Like, what are y'all doing? For real, for real. Right. Yeah, What's right that, on, man? Mad respect, though, man. Thank y'all for having me on here. Can't wait uh, until this drops so I can share it with all my friends and family. For sure, no man. Problem, and no if problem. you're listening to this right now, make sure you go ahead and share this on your page because we can actually make some change and we can we can donate and get some get some money out there and try to change some things. So make sure y'all do that. To all the runners out there, just keep running every day, man. Just keep logging those miles, keep putting those miles in, you know. Thanks Josh, for coming on. Bro. Uh, I just want to nah, say nah, thanks nah. for coming on. Thanks for coming on. Really, really appreciate you coming on, bro. Thank you for everything that you've done for the running community. And I can't the sky's the limit. The sky's the limit. That's all. That's the sky's the limit, bro. Nah, respect though, guys. I really enjoyed this, man. Keep doing what y'all doing, man. And uh the world is gonna see it for sure. Thanks again to Murph and Caleb join on this episode of the Two Black Runners podcast. And most importantly, thank you to everybody that has been listening. We really do appreciate all the love that we've been getting from the podcast recently. But let's keep on blowing this up, guys. Repost this episode on your story. Repost the podcast on your story. Share it with a friend. Use it, like Murph said, use it as an icebreaker to bring deeper conversations into your running group. Because like the conversation that we had last week with Molly Huddle, like the conversation that we have today with Murph, these are much needed conversations in our running groups, in our running communities. And we really want to keep that conversation going. Make sure you guys follow us on Instagram, running underscore report. Hey, we just made a TikTok as well. If you on that wave at two black runners and man, check it out. Check us out on YouTube at running report. There's more stuff coming soon. And we're so excited to give you guys more running news produced for and by the culture. See y'all next week.